0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode two hundred and nineteenth of Career Podcast. Our today's guest is Miss Christina Lavina Frez. She's a lead concert artist at Respond based in Los Angeles, California. And of course, you know, before we jump into the questions, as always, in the four contact section of the captions, you can find the ID to our Instagram account, the link to our R station, and you know, just other, other stuff, you know, and other links and all that good stuff. Now, with that being said, how are we doing today? Pretty good.
1: Yeah, it's very really sunny outside, like LA, typical LA climate. Yeah. So it's good.
0: <laughs> Has the weather gotten hot now?
1: It's a bit hotter. It's been raining very weirdly for Los Angeles, but um, now it's sunny, so I'm happy about it.
0: All right. Awesome. And all right. So here's the thing. There's usually like one question that I always start off the podcast with, which is kind of like at this point, the signature question of the podcast, which is give us a little introduction on how we got into the world of visual arts and design. basically tell us your origin story of, you know, what's led you to decide to become an artist, you know?
1: <laughs> oh, that's uh, it's very complicated. So um, I'm originally from Spain, from a town near Barcelona. And at the time, um, it was no such a thing as, as about like an artistic career as we know it now. Um, so I've always, I've always been drawing since, since I've been, um, since I've been a little kid. You know, I've never stopped drawing. Um, it's always been my passion. Um, I got into manga and anime when I was super young. So I was just like drawing manga and anime constantly. Like in fact, I I wanted to be a mangaka. When I was like 14 or 15, I wanted to go to Japan and like be a mangaka and follow that that dream. Um, But uh, it was way later when I discovered that this could actually be a career. Um, I study in a very small school in Barcelona um, called Joso, which like everybody that is from Barcelona know what that school is. But um, I was just going there on Saturdays and uh, just making friends. Um, And later on, like when I was 17, 18, uh, I I was approached by a professor I had one time when I studied a very short uh, masterclass of 3D. Um, and he said, "Oh, there's a there's an animation studio that are looking for a character designer. Um, would you be interested to in talking to them?" And I was like, "I'm so young at that time," and I was like, "Of course, you <laughs> no, I wanna. That's what I wanna do. I wanna draw, I mean, especially characters." And so that's how I started. I started in a in a very small um, studio in Barcelona. Um, and later on, I moved to London, and that's when I discover um, the video game career. You know, which uh, at that time it was not something I would think about. But yeah, my journey has been a bit like self-taught. You know, non-stop drawing constantly. You know, and um, yeah, pretty much that.
0: <laughs> All right, and. Were you originally studying art and design or you were pursuing another career path? Let's say um, when you were in high school and, you know, usually everyone at the end of their high school, they have to think about, you know, the majors are going to study in college or do they or should they go to college and all that stuff. How was it for you? Did you initially, you know, went to study in like another subject or you were just straight up went to art?
1: So the way the way it works in Spain is like when you finish your Based uh, like high school, you have to choose like a bachelor, some sort of like two years type of type of uh, bachelor. And then in Spain, it's like different ones. And I chose the artistic one because <laughs> I, there were no maths as well. And I was so bad at maths that I was like, I need, I need to go to the art one. Um, <laughs> uh, at that time as well, I didn't know how to work out of art you know but i knew i wanted to do something about it you know i had like dreams of like just making comic books you know that was at the time it's like that's the only thing i knew was like if if comics is the 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 route to go and, and live as an artist that's what i am going to do um but uh i guess yes i always i always try to pursue an artistic career, you know, because I didn't see myself doing anything else. Um, It had to be something artistic. Um, But yeah, I had this wild idea of going to Japan and being a mangaka, which obviously didn't happen. (laughs) Um, But yeah.
0: Yeah, the reality of becoming a mangaka is like, it's like one of those things, like a lot of people have that thought, but they don't realize that there's already a huge amount of artists in Japan, locally, domestically, that want to get into that market as well. It's extremely competitive, the pays are not fair. And like, unless you're some sort of super unique, like, you know, God tier artist, you're not gonna stand a chance in that competition. And yeah, yeah. Which, for that, you have to sacrifice a lot of things in life yeah and yeah. the pay is not great i heard
1: yeah definitely like at that time i was so young you know so it was the only thing i knew like you know i would imagine how that was because obviously the only thing you were receiving is those those comic book right and we have i think at that time as well like you have such a romanticized idea of what it is to be a mangaka. Like you have no clue, right? Um when you find out later that as well, like it's so underpaid that and it also it's not just the prime artist like the, the the author of the of the manga that work alone, like they had like assistants that they're not even named in the mangas, right? So it's just it's just very science, but when I was young, I just didn't know, you know? And I think that a lot of young people, um, a lot of young people write to me because they are like, I don't know how to get there, how do I do it? And I feel very related because when I was young, it was like, I grabbed onto manga because that's the thing I had close, you know? But I share that sentiment of like, where do I go? How do I start, you know? Um, but everybody finds their own path. That's what I always tell them, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, all right, so in the introduction, I mentioned that you're a lead concept artist. So we already know that, I mean, on the YouTube version, whoever is watching the YouTube, you can obviously see like character concept arts above us. But, <laughs> so it's kind of obvious. But what I want to ask you is, um, what is your main branch of design that you're focusing on? And tell us about your experience from the start of it until now. Like, basically. Um, tell us basically about the story of, you know, what's led you to the path of becoming like a character concept artist, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've always been interested about people, you know, I always loved people stories of people, you know, and this is why I've always been drawn to characters. Um, and I remember before when I was young, I like, I couldn't find interested in anything else that it wasn't characters, you know, like to me it's like I've always found a way of like trying to tell stories of people uh, designing people you know it's like it's something that um, when, when people in general think about how to design a character a lot of people think outfits you know but I think about the personality who is that person that is wearing those outfits that lives in that world right so I've always I've always been drawn to that I've always been drawn to to that aspect of concept, you know? Even without me knowing that that's what the career path I wanted to take, that's what I've always been drawn, you know, like um, I had to force myself to learn other things because you have to to know (laughs) how to draw environments, you have to learn how to draw props, you have to learn all of this, but my real interest has always been in characters. Um, Yeah. Have I forgotten something?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> all good. Yes. And here's the thing now. Is speaking of characters, who are your favorite characters in Apex? Like, actually, what do you mean, like, as mm. a player, if you play Apex? Now, that's interesting yeah. question.
1: Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I'm not a huge Apex player, you know? It's, oh, really? It's quite funny. Yeah, no, it's quite funny. It's because um, uh, Apex is a very stressful game for me. You know, uh, game, oh, yeah. despite, I've actually met several artists that they they don't actually play much their, the games they work on because they they might be they might love the lore of the game, but they don't they're not they don't jab with that specific type of game. I'm, I love narrative games, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't necessarily love to work in a lot of narrative games, right? So with Apex, uh, the lore is so amazing. You know, like we have incredible narrative, um, uh, incredible narrative team that uh, uh, give us amazing stories, and a group of designers that are absolutely incredible as well. Um, In terms of favorite character, there's so many. There's so many great characters. I don't know. I used to, I used to really, really love Watson for many reasons. Um, Before even I started working on Apex. Uh, because I just, I just love the sensibility of that character. And I thought it was a brilliant masterclass in character design, more than any other character. She's so iconic, so iconic. Um, a lot of them Apex characters are, but Watson in particular, I think she's like, wow. It, it, like, I always remember her. Um, uh, and characters that I felt very fond of, I, I guess Rampart, because it was my first character when I designed her, um, I know that she's not the most favorite played character, but I know like a lot of people like her just because the way she is. Um, and yeah, it's uh, Apex is a very very good project to work on because um, it holds to a lot of values that I share as well. So designing characters for for this project is is beautiful, you know. That's why I don't necessarily think you have to play the game a lot to be able to work uh, on a game as long as you are good at what you do and you care about the aspect that you are designing. um, Yeah.
0: All right. And yeah, I mean, I can totally get like, I mean, I don't know if it was some other game like, you know, Valorant or like, because yeah, Apex is like, Battle royals are stressful, as you said. Like you yeah. know, really stressful. Like mostly, I the characters lore wise that I really like in my like it's really hard for me to pick. But my two favorites are Mirage and Pathfinder. Like yeah. player, like playing wise, I love Pathfinder again and Oxen because I love characters with mobility. Yeah. You know, like like mostly I'm not really good at the game as well. I just you know I love to just you know go around the environments and grapple. I can go all the way, and you know maybe get yeah. some you know kills like vulture or something because I'm not really good one-to-one player or something you know there's so many like you know like just if you just queue in a game and you just go there's always that player who has like fifteen thousand matches with I don't know like rave or something that's going to clean up everyone you know so what's the point I
1: know I know The think it's like I know that like apex apex is great for build community you know, and like, uh, my brother is a huge Apex player, which is awesome, you know, like, my brother is always like, how, oh, which one, can you tell me which one is the next character? Kind of and was like, no, actually, I can't tell you, <laughs> even though you're my brother, you know. Um, but uh, he, he always, he loves those games, the Apex, even Battlefield, you know, all these games, because they build community around it as well. And he makes tons of friends. For me, gaming is a solo. You know, for me, the way I like to play games is solo, and I love exploring the world. Like I even, when I play games, I played it in story mode, which is the easiest, the easiest mode that you could put on a game. Just because what I like is to explore and to get deep into the stories and to get to know the characters. You know, I don't want to stress myself out. Um, so that's why I can't really play uh, games like Apex because it is not for me. You know, I I get so stressed.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Look, like yeah. I guess you like you're the type of person who likes long games like Skyrim, Fallout, maybe I don't know stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, that,
1: yeah. That you can My get favorite into the game, world. yeah, yeah, my favorite
0: game is Witcher Three. So imagine the type of oh, games. Oh like. yeah, yeah. I can yes. definitely see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all right now, speaking of characters, now, let me ask, I actually ask you an a interesting question: How does your design process usually go? Anytime you want to start working on a new project, like basically, what does the structure of your pipeline you look like?
1: Mm-hmm. So it varies depending from project to project. You know, um, in Apex in particular, we work heavily with narrative and design. Like, we basically receive a brief that comes from narrative and design and we sit down with them to to, to talk about the possibilities of this character, um, what things the character could have to, to have more personality. And they let us do a lot of the heavy work as well with uh, with the visuals of the characters. They never impose us, unless it's like something very specific that the character needs, for instance, Rampart. It was very specific that she had to be a very small girl, right? So that's a characteristic of her, like um, or of the. They have a specific um, ethnicity, right? So we try to honor that, Um, but um, it varies from project project to project. Really, my main main goal when I design characters is that people would be able to relate to them. You know, I don't, I don't like designing a character just for the sake of being cool. You know, I like designing people that other people can relate to, you know. Um, that's why um, I always try to add aspects in their personality everywhere, you know. And I don't think just about the design, the physical design of the character. I also think about how the character is gonna move how the character is gonna act, you know, because to me it's a compound of like so many disciplines. It's not just the visual, it's also how how the character is towards the world, right? Um, and one of the aspects I always like to keep in mind when designing characters is the fact that I used to be a cosplayer, for instance, when I was like uh 14, 15, I used to go to manga conventions and I used to dress up my favorite character. So I always, I do remember that I didn't have a lot of money. So I tried to make cosplays that they were easy to make and recognizable with few elements. So to me, that's super important when I design a character. You know, like uh, even just by looking at the face of a character, like, uh, like you can put a ponytail on the side, like you put a dot there, like you wear red and, and turquoise and you're rampant. You don't need anything else. You know, so to me, that's super important, you know, when design a character that you make them relatable, you make them very recognizable and cosplayable, you know, because that's how people is going to be like, oh, I can just be the character for one day, you know. And that's an amazing, that's an amazing feeling.
0: All right. And, um... Now, here's something that I actually wanted to ask you as well, and this is actually, of course, we talked about it before we even started, the, like the podcast. Um, let's talk about tattoos, actually, because I like I had guests before who had tattoos, but I think you're you take the record of having the most tattoos. I think, <laughs> yeah, and um, so yeah, what are some of the t- Tips you can give you know people if they want to consider getting a tattoo, like you know some good guidelines you could share with us.
1: Yes, uh, obviously tattoos are very personal, and a lot of people, a lot of people, they come with ideas, and they, um, they want to have a specific designs, you know. But what I recommend: find an artist that you like, go and find a tattoo artist that you like, and bring them, bring them your idea, you know. Uh, majority of the tattoos I had, it's because I found an artist that I love what they do. And I just go and it's like, I try to create a mood board for them with their own art, you know? So I, I look for their tattoos that they've made and I try to, I put them together. It's like, I love these pieces that you've done here. I love these pieces that you've done there, you know? A little bit of like art direction with, <laughs> with that, but... But I think this is the way you're going to get the best result. Because when a tattoo artist, and that goes for every artist, not just when a tattoo tattoo artist, but when you let an artist do with just few guidelines for direction, that's when they're going to make the absolute best. Because that happened for me too, you know? Um, So I treat them the same way, you know? And so my biggest advice is that don't, um, don't even design the the tattoo, you know, don't go and then start like designing the tattoo. Go and find a tattoo artist, you know, that that you like, and um, and obviously, uh, tattoos are expensive, you know. Some some tattoo artists are gonna charge more than others, but uh, always remember that what an artist charge is what they are worth as well, you know. It's like if you want a good tattoo with a great quality, you're gonna have to pay for it, you know, like anything. Um, so yeah, find an artist, find an artist that you like and give them your brief.
0: All right, let's go to, let's go through another round of questions about tattoos. Like what about neck tattoos? I don't think those are really safe to get, right? Because I heard like, you know, once you get a neck tattoo, it's going to be extremely hard to get employed anywhere.
1: Oh, a neck tattoo? Yeah. Uh, So, it depends, like, the thing is, like, there are tattoo artists that they they are specifically good at certain parts of the body. Um, Neck tattoos, I would say as well, you know, a lot of people recommend, like, when you start getting tattoos, uh, they're like, oh, don't get it on a place that you're gonna see it every day, you know? But at the same time, once you get those tattoos, you like seeing them. Like, I haven't gotten a tattoo. Like, I have a, a tattoo on my back. My whole back is tattooed. And, like, majority of the time, I like, I wish I could see it. Because I love the art that the artist did so much that, like, I wish I could see it, right? Um. So neck tattoos, what I would say as well, really find an artist that you like, an artist that you trust. Personally, neck is one of the areas I wouldn't start uh, with the neck. Because... Um, you typic, what, typically what people do is you start with the arms, you know, you start building up the momentum because it's like having something the first time in in here is, is a lot, is a lot, you know, and they typically tell you as well not to tattoo your hands, you know, the first time because it's, you know, uh, there are delicate places that are hard to tattoo as well. You have to find artists that are good at tattooing in those areas, you know, so... I recommend starting for easier places, <laughs> you know? But you can see them, you know? You can you can see your arms, you can see your legs even, you
0: know? So, yeah. No, I mean, uh, yeah, you're totally right. But the thing with neck tattoos, I've heard, like, it's one of the surefire ways of not being, not to, basically, it makes it super hard for you to get hired anywhere, because as soon as, like, the yeah. HR sees the neck tattoo, they're, they're not gonna care about anything else. They're just like, oh, oh. red flag.
1: Do you mean like getting hired somewhere if you have a tattoo or not? Oh, I'm sorry. Mm, To be honest, um, I haven't found any problem. Like my husband is tattooed (laughs) all up to here, you know? And uh, he never encountered any problem because he was tattooed like in the industry, you know? Um, Obviously, depending on the country you are as well, I would assume that depending on the, the culture and stuff, but like, for instance, in Spain, I didn't have any problem. In the UK, I didn't have any problem. In Canada, either. In the US, either. Um, what if, what is important about <laughs> about the job is what you do, not what you look like. You know, um, I don't have any pictures of myself in Instagram, very. You know, like I don't. I don't want people to know how I look. I don't care. You know, I just want you to see my art. You know, so for getting hired. It, I haven't I haven't met any artists that had problems getting hired because they had tattoos in the neck or. I don't know.
0: That's interesting. Maybe that's because of the entertainment industry is a bit different. Yeah.
1: I yeah, I would say so. No, I yeah. would say I would say video game industry, uh, entertainment industry in general, like um, uh, VFX animation, they are very progressive industries. Like in fact, it's, it's super normal to see. Uh, people hire (laughs) us with tattoos as well. And it's a very common thing. Like it is about art. So tattoos are art, right? So I would say this specific industry is very forward. You know, if you want to work in a a corporate (laughs) environment, probably getting tattoos is going to be a struggle. Um, But for the video game industry, VFX, animation, I haven't heard anyone that has had problems because of that. Like even, even like language barriers, you know, when I moved to London, my English wasn't very good, you know, but I got hired because what I do, not because my level of English, I, I was going to get better at English, you know, so it doesn't matter. I I would say in this industry, it doesn't matter, you know, and if, if somebody ever have a problem, tell me because it's like, we need to flag those people. I agree. (laughs)
0: That's actually a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Let's actually Fight the culture back, not yeah, let them bully you know, us for not getting tattoos right. Um, it's, it's ridiculous.
1: At this point, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and yeah. Another thing I actually wanted to mention about tattoos. I recently had this idea for a tattoo. Like, I don't know. Have you played Far Cry Three?
1: No, I haven't. No.
0: But you've seen the game, right? Yes, yes, yes. I have. Um, the thing with the like the progression system in the game is like your main character which is which his name is Jason Brody like Gets like of course a little bit of a spoiler warning of course I'm just going to say like the anything that's like, you know, not so spoilery, but still about the game. So just bear yeah. in mind okay. uh, Basically the guy gets stranded in an island and gets saved by a bunch of tribals And he's asked to fight the pirates who are taking over the island kind of like that that's the most general mm-hmm. way I could you know summarize the plot and the way the progression in the game works, like on kind of his forearm here, uh, the character gets like, you know, every member of that tribe, they have like a traditional forearm and wrist tattoos, and it's called Tatal. Mm-hmm. And um, the way the game progresses, any skill you unlock, it adds a specific tattoo on your forearm. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was like, hmm, if I could, you know, have, if I could, you know, make like a design for every single ambition or thing I have that I want to do in this life. And then after I do it, I tattoo it here like that. That would be kind of awesome tattoo idea, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. The thing is like, whatever it is that is meaningful to you is a good reason, you know? It's like, the thing is, I start, this is what I say to everyone. Your first tattoo is gonna have so much meaning. Like it's gonna be every, like you know this is my journey. Like whatever you know. Your fifth tattoo is just gonna be because you like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So whatever it means to you, you know, it's like if you find meaning of like getting those those memories onto your skin, that's good. You know, a lot of my tattoos are memories. You know, or places that I've been you know, like uh, things that has happened, you know, people. I have tattoos with my friends as well. So, whatever whatever excuse is good if you want to get a tattoo, just only find the right artist for it. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah. But that's a cool idea. That's a very really cool idea.
0: Yeah. And um, all right. Um, now, speaking of, you know, game industry and entertainment and all of that, who are your favorite artists and designers that have inspired you the most?
1: Mm-hmm. So when I was very young, as like I said, <laughs> uh, my favorite artists were Japanese. like, And these three artists that I always remember being the, the main ones, which is like uh, Yoshiyuki um, Asadamoto, Akira Toriyama, and Tatsuyuki Tanaka, which I met Tanaka recently. Uh, in an exhibition that he came to do in LA, And I was so honored just to like, I'm not a person that would go to someone as a fangirl at all, but that artist meant so much when I was a kid that I was like, I came to him and I was like, I wanna thank you, you know, and and it was so awesome. Um, When uh, when I started realizing about other disciplines, the artist that I always remember is Kekai Kotaki. Kekai Kotaki was the artist that I saw. I remember this friend of mine giving me the art book of Guild And I saw Kekai's concept. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, it was the first time that I was so sure of, like... So, no, 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 I don't want to do manga. I want to do this. How do, I, how do I do this? And that person was Kekai. It, it's like, and I remember in London, I met him like years ago. And I was just like, Kekai, you meant so much to me. And um, it, that's amazing. Like, and other artists like Richard Lyons, uh, Laurel D. Austin as well. She meant a lot in London. Callum Alexander Watts as well is incredible. Um, Hugo Richards. Um, I don't know. And my husband, my husband, Theo as well. He's an incredible artist, and he's so inspiring. Um, but, um, yeah, many artists. It's so difficult. It's so difficult. But I would say Tanaka and Kekai were the two artists that um, I always, like, have. It. I should get them tattoos.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, yeah. have some of their, you know, famous artworks, you know, a piece yeah. of it on your body. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. And... Um, Alright, um, but actually just one thing before we, move it, before we move away from the tattoo thing, like one of the reasons I haven't gotten tattooed tattoo yet is, it's mm-hmm. kind of crazy, it's because, I don't know, it's just, maybe if when my life gets a bit stable and better, I might change, like my attitude subconsciously changes, but I like to be as undetectable as possible, you know, in case, <laughs> in case, I don't know, like I have to, you know, it get in trouble with the law or something i can you know run away as much as i can no i mean you're, you're probably thinking oh my god what is Rampton talking about but no, no i'm not a criminal i'm not like you know yeah i'm kind of crazy about this stuff like, but like you know it's better to be as undetectable as possible in my opinion you know and um yeah, yeah tattoos are basically like your one big red circle that says shoot me here like it's you're get is pretty detectable. But if you don't have any tattoos, you can easily, you know, maybe shave a beard, put a fake beard on or shave your head or something, you know, boom, you're a new person. Do some makeup. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean definitely tattoos, tattoos are very identifiable, you know, like if you if you don't want to be recognized or like like have a photo of like one of your tattoos and somebody will be like, oh they this, this person, then then for sure. You know? Um For me, it's a way of self-expression, you know, and um, I don't care as much as being being, uh, detected or not, but that's definitely that's a personal preference, you know, and um, if you don't feel comfortable with that, then, then that's okay too, you know, you don't have to... You don't have to get tattoos you know it always seems like this thing like everybody's getting i need to get another one you know (laughs) but like you don't have to like you have to really see it as a way of self-express expressing yourself and if you want to have something because it means to you good but if if you don't you don't that's completely fine you know there's many ways that you can you can get those memories in
0: so yeah yeah definitely and all right, so since you know you're someone that has a lot of experience in the industry, I want to ask you this: um, any advice and tips uh, for a good portfolio and resume for artists? Like, you know, what are some of your main golden rules when it comes to those type of subjects?
1: Mm-hmm. So, I I get a lot of like students emailing me and like messaging. I try to reply to all of them. So if I haven't replied to anyone, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm busy, but like I try to reply to all of them, and it's always this question of like, where do I start? Um, how, what do I do? Like, it's very difficult. So I empathize with, with all of you guys. (laughs) Um, my biggest advice whenever you create your portfolio is that I don't think a portfolio should have a lot of. Student exercises. I know that it's the stuff that um, a lot of people go to schools and they get a lot of um, exercise in school. But when you send those stuff away, like we all know, we all know that that's that's school work. Um, So, what I would say is that after you finish school, you have to spend time working on your art, you know, and working and building up more skills, right? Um, And choose a discipline, you know, like if you if you are more drawn toward characters, uh, make like um, four or five characters, you know, and show us the process, you know, show us what is your process. Uh, Put all the sketches that you develop until you get to the last image, you know. One thing that I always look in portfolios is I want to know which one is being your mental process from starting that sketch and that idea to the final result. I want to know what's your process, you know, because I do care about technique. You know, technique is something that is very important. We all have to have it, you know. But what I do care is your ideas. You know, I want to see what is it that you are adding as a person into those characters, you know, because technique is something you're going to get better at it because you're going to keep drawing, you're going to keep adding stuff. But building up your ideas and what you understand about what characters are is very unique to you. So I think portfolio should be very personal, you know. Um, and what I always said is like I start with some pieces, you know, that you can build up for that portfolio specifically. Choose a discipline. If you have different disciplines, if you also do illustration, separate it very well. You put character design and you put your designs, you do a section of illustration, you put illustration that you have done, um, but don't make a huge portfolio of like 50 pages of a lot of the same. It's better to have 10 or 15 pieces, you know, or even five or six, it doesn't matter, that are very good, That having 30 that are mediocre, so spend time, spend time working on your portfolio, and uh, in terms, in, in terms of what do you do when you go after school? So I would say, go on LinkedIn is the first thing that you have to do. Like if you don't have a LinkedIn, go go and get a LinkedIn. Um, approach HRs, approach our directors, approach companies. You know, start writing to them. Um, a lot of companies offer internships. Uh, Respond, offer internships. Um, we get a lot of like um, uh, students doing internships that come from art center for instance from LA Um, but if they don't have any post jobs for junior internships email them anyway you know you're gonna get zero to learn replies sometimes but you have to keep going at some point somebody's gonna reply to you you know and um, it's, it's good if you start for smaller places you know like uh, when I was young, uh, I remember that uh, <laughs> I emailed Blizzard with my very first portfolio. I emailed Blizzard and I was like, I'm just gonna throw. Obviously, looking looking at the realistic way, Blizzard is not gonna hire me when I'm like 20 years old, right, so um, it's better if you start small, start from for indie studios, start from mobile studios, you know, what you wanna start getting is experience, you know? Um, even though we have for instance interns that goes to respawn the reality is a lot of us haven't started on respawn you know i always see those guys and it's like guys you are so lucky as well talented but lucky that respawn is the very first company you work for you know but um, it, it doesn't matter where you are in spain you know i went to an animation uh, studio you know in london i started an outsourcing studio so start small start small and start building your experience from there um,
0: yeah, all right. that's pretty much pretty solid advice in my opinion cool and um <laughs> what are you working on right now that you can tell us about what kind of project is it? I mean, of course, like there's always going to be NDAs involved, yes, I know, yeah. but if that's not the case, you know what type of you know uh work are you working on right now? what type of yeah. stuff you're working on?
1: I'm currently working on apex i I was working on another project before uh but uh it got cancelled. So um, yeah, I went, I went back to work on Apex, uh, which is awesome, it's a project, it's a project I love. Um, so yeah, I went back to work on Apex with the awesome Apex team of like 21 concept artists. It's crazy, like the Apex is an absolute beast of a project. There's so much content that needs to be done. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a lead uh, concept artist focusing the character side and uh just designing new
0: things that i can't talk about for apex <laughs> yeah and um here's the thing that impresses me the most about apex is the technical artists of apex and the reason i say that is because for anyone who's doesn't know or are not very you know over of in games you have to optimize everything as much as possible so mm-hmm. the game Could be run on any kind of hardware pretty easily and you know just and not just any hardware also with any internet connection like that's another thing so you always have to optimize the hell out of everything you know in the game with lod's the textures it's just everything Mm -hmm. and when you have like a open world huge map game like apex and there's 60 different players on the same at the same time it's going to get complex to optimize that sort of stuff. Like, for example, with a game like Counter-Strike of Art, I, I assume it's much more simpler than something like Apex. But, yeah, like, it's something that I've been recently getting into, like, because I'm also uh, training to become a trainee environmental artist. I'm not in the industry yet. I'm just, you know, building up my portfolio, going through courses, and I'm basically in the tutorial phase right now. But, you know, when it comes to optimization, I'm, now that I have to know it's not just a fun and art, you have to be technical as well for some reason i guess now i it just impressed me i admire the works uh, like you know when i play games like something like apex I'm, i really admire how they optimize it because yeah. my internet is not the best my hardware is not the best but still runs smoothly even though yeah. like there's 60 people on a huge map so much assets so much text like oh my god like how so much unique assets actually like yeah. it's crazy I mean, it's how they cool, optimize yeah. it yeah yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally, yeah. totally. So that's it. It's super I'm super happy you mentioned that because it's really it's really difficult. Like for a long time, for a long time, I think now it's changing. But for a long time working on BFX was the always the top, right? But I think video games have been changing that room as well. And I'm very happy that now we are giving a lot of credit to people that work on games because it's super difficult especially for the optimization, like, you know, I always feel as well that when you have limitations is when you actually produce the best art in whatever form, because those limitations um, make your creativity go further, you know, Um, and that's what happened in games. A lot of the stuff, like one of the biggest things I always said to people is that no matter your discipline, but for instance, in concept part, particularly as well, uh, you have to be a problem, problem solver, you know, because you encounter this thing of like, um, no, we can't have this shoulder part, through that, no, we cannot have this many details, no, 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 so you have to find solutions for all of these problems, and they are constant, they are constant, constant, and it's like, when the next person comes, which is a 3D artist, you know, when, they, when the character artist has to come and, and model those characters, you know, they encounter the same problem. They cannot go over a certain polygon counts. They need to be very careful of the amount of um, assets they put in. It's so, it's so hard. It's super hard, you know? Um, one, one thing that we always go through uh, when, for instance, designing the skins for Apex, right? Um, you would think that it's easy, not as oh, is like an outfit, No, but there are parts of the character that you cannot touch that the only thing you have to do is make a different design of the same shape and it is so difficult after 4 years of this project going to make it, making different designs all the time that are new and fresh that they look different from other skins is super hard. That's why, <laughs> that's why, honestly, uh, Apex is a project that is super challenging. You know, that's why we have so many good artists, and the, the bar of hiring people is so high as well. Because you need you need to be fresh. You need to be like you know, um, be able to to push yourself. You know, because those limitations are. Very challenging, you know? And the environment artists, don't get me started, you know, it was like these people are wizards. It's crazy what they do, you know, with lighting and everything to to make such a beautiful game with what they have, you know? Insane, insane people.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's also this meme in the architecture community when like, you know, an architect's, an architect's dream is an engineer's nightmare. Like, you know, architects make this crazy, like, you know, designs and everything. But then the engineer has to optimize everything to make it actually, like, you know, functional, you know? And I think it's kind of similar to the same situation we're talking about. This is like, you know, I mean... Character artists, concept artists are kind of, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but get to have all the fun of like creating and, you know, making everything. Then the 3D modelers have to like, (laughs) you know, optimize a lot of it and not just set people who are behind the optimization of the engine as well. Like, there's so much technical stuff that goes behind the games. It's not just like art and stuff. But I mean, for good reason, also the coders and the people who are on the technical side, they usually get paid more. I mean, because not many people are good with those stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it's also hard. It's also not very simple and a straightforward thing to do. So, by the way, for I know this is like an art related podcast, but for anyone who's out there and wants like a second hobby or second thing to learn, start learn coding, honestly. If you have the time and you got it, you know, maybe later on you can, you know, add it to your resume and, you know, maybe get positions that you never thought you would. So, yeah. Yeah. One yeah. well, thing to add to that,
1: like,
0: because
1: I actually. Like, I, I work in many companies where uh, sometimes the art department always felt a bit isolated, whereas, like, artists were doing their thing and, like, they pass it on, and then the next person has a problem. I've never seen our discipline that way. You know, I've, I personally actually like to call us more production artists because we are on a production, you know. And I like to be, and most of the people in my team, to say all of them, they're very mindful of production, you know. We go back and forth. A lot of our character meetings, there is a rigor there. There is a a lead um, uh, character artist, three character artist there, you know. Whoever needs to be in those meetings to make sure that we are designing something that is is they are going to be capable of doing, you know. We cannot just throw whatever it is that we have and make our art station portfolio shine, you know, because we are in a production, you know. And we all have to feel that we're part of this team, you know. I'm not the person that likes to say, Oh, we do art, and there you go—you <laughs> do it because that's not the way I work either. You know, I like to—I like to work very closely with with uh, the three D person that is going to be um, doing the character. You know, and I also personally like to give them a bit of a space of freedom. You know, because a lot of people are very much like. Uh, putting every single detail in a piece, you know, and the the 3D artists they barely have to do anything creative, you know, it's just like a photocopy, you know, but um, I like to to give a little bit of space of like, hey, there you go, you have this, but, you know, Mm -hmm. you can interpret it your way as well, you know, if you want to change the features of the face because you think they're going to work better, go for it, you know, it's like it's, um, to me, it's a very collaborative process, you know, that's why... Um, a character is not one person's work only you know, we design we, we make the base of what the character should feel, but there's so many people behind it, you know that, that makes that character feel alive and, and I want them to have ownership of that as well, you know I want them to take it and be like, okay, this is my character too, you know, if you don't give that space, the, the person is just going to feel that it's just there, moving polygons and that's it, you know um, so yeah, I like to. I always, I always like to change the mindset. That it's like we are on a production. We are production artists more than we're just like, <laughs> our station, <laughs> our station artists.
0: You know. For anyone who's listening who want to be a character concept artist, please. The last two minutes I think were some of the most important piece of like you know information that you you must have heard in this episode, because oh my god, you have no idea how help what how helpful that's gonna be if you kind of adopt that mindset, because mm-hmm. uh, if if we constantly communicate with the 3D team in the Mm -hmm. production, like things are gonna get so much faster and smoother. And Mm -hmm. by the way, I'm just wondering out of curiosity, let's say like we are working on a project in a company. And of course in that project, there are of course a set amount of limited amount of work that must be done, like let's say in two weeks or a month Mm -hmm. and uh, in the timeline of the project, you know, and let's say the whole production team goes on crunch, you know, like not because of there's no time, but they decide Mm -hmm. to, you know, do all the things, you know, much more efficient and faster all right yeah. this is a hypothetical by the way yeah and if they finish all their you know tasks for that month or week and they had nothing else to do like i mean it's kind of like a hypothetical question would the mm-hmm. company still keep keep giving them more work to do or they get to be free and explore and improve their own art
1: um so it depends it depends on the company really and it depends on the project apex is infinite <laughs> so you're always, no matter what, you're always gonna have, uh, you're gonna gonna have uh, something to do after you finish. Um, but some companies they would give you the opportunity to grow yourself, and like even some companies they even offer you, you know, like to take classes if you want to, you know, to improve yourself. You know, depending of the company as well, and depending on the values of the company. That's why. Every company is different. I worked in all spectrums, you know. I worked in companies that didn't even have a microwave to heat up your foods. And I work in companies that, you know, that they, um, they give you a lot, you know. They give you, you know, it's like um, they also very much, a lot of companies are very much in the mindset of like, you are a valuable um, artist, you know, and like uh, they want to keep you. And they want to do things for you to feel accomplished, you know. That's why um, some places what they would do is that they constant checkups, you know. For instance, Rispon is like a constant checkup of, because there's there's so, the burnout can happen very fast because the amount of work we have to deliver, you know, is, is crazy. <laughs> I tell you right now, it's very crazy. Um, but there's always checkups of like, are you okay? How are you doing? You know, you need you need some time to breathe, you know? At the same time, production needs to happen, you know? And it's like, things need to be delivered. But if anybody finished early, you know, um, a lot of places they would give you, you know, a bit of space, you know? Especially between project and project, you know? um, uh, When a project finished, sometimes, if there's like a second or third part, you know, sometimes they would give you space for blue sky, you know, which is like, Super fun <laughs> to do, you know. Blue Sky, um, which for whoever doesn't know, Blue Sky is just like is um is a creation moment where it's like you have all these possibilities, just explore, you know. But uh, but yeah, uh, it really depends from project to project in companies as well, you know, and the values of the company. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy to find a company that is. It aligns with everything you feel. And it takes, the honest truth is for majority of people, it takes years to get to, to a company like Respond, for instance. You know, for me, it's been taking me so long, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. For some people, they finish their school and they are already there, which is amazing for them, you know. So it really depends on each person's path.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Actually, there's something I also wanted to ask you if First Pan also offers that as well. I there's, of course, you know, we were always bombarded by bad news and, you know, the negative things that might happen. There's AI, there's, you know, that, like, there's no future in that, you know, and mm-hmm. like, there's so many things we're always bombarded by that. But we rarely get to be bombarded by good news and the positive mm-hmm. side of progress of things that are happening, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, basically we live in a world of negative news. And there's one thing that I actually, the title that I saw recently on Twitter, which made me really hopeful, actually, and happy for the progress we've been making in a lot of sense. And it comes to the entertainment industry. Um, like, I don't know if you saw the news, but City Project, Red, as of late of March 2020, it started to offer, like, you know, menstrual leaves, you know, for their employees, which is which was like, wow, that's actually a really good idea, you know. And um, does Respond offer kind of something like that as well? Or you think in the future they do? Because I think every company should adopt that. That's like, I think a serious yeah. thing that should be considered.
1: I hundred percent agree. <laughs> it doesn't. Brisbane doesn't specifically have that, but it's very, it's very flexible. It's very, very flexible. What the company offers a lot, like especially for instance, when COVID happened, um, EA for everything that EA has, offer plenty of um, resources for families as well. For uh, mental health resources, especially like you could you could go to um, a therapist, you know, and like all all that was covered by the company, you know, Um, which it's something that coming from Spain that like mental health awareness is something that it's starting to happen a little bit, you know, but, you know, it's still like miles away from from the stuff that I've seen in Canada and in the US, you know, where when it's like COVID hit and pretty much the first thing is like, guys, are you okay? You need support, you know, like let's, let's have therapists there to help people cope with this. Um, you know, it's something that I, I really value, you know, because, uh, it's just the stuff, like what you said, like, you know, nobody considers this, this thing the half of the population have every month, you know, um, uh, so I hope I hope that one day we would make stuff like that official because by making it official, you make it normal, you know. Because it looks like it's always like this this thing where it's like you know the same as like you don't say I go to the therapist as a natural thing, you know. And it, it should be normalized. Like hey, um, today's therapy time, you know. And in an hour, you always say doctor. as was like, oh, doctor. To say doctor is acceptable, but to say therapist is it's not that much, right? So, um. I hope that we get to the point that we start normalizing things and seeing that uh, CD Project Red has done stuff like that is amazing. It's like, that's why I always feel that video game industry, um, especially video game industry because uh, VFX are a bit like another beast on the side, but video game industry, they tend to be quite a lot more forward and quite a lot more progressive than, than other, other industries. That's my, the experience that I've encountered. So, yeah. But Rispone is very flexible, really, like with a lot of stuff. So, yeah, they do take, try to take care of you quite a lot, you know? So, yeah.
0: You know what the problem the is?
1: like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately.
0: You know yeah. what the thing is, you know, these... Industry is also very cutthroat and competitive. So because of that, you know any CEO that gets on top, you know they just want to do everything by the statistics and the books to get the most amount of profit while they're on, while they're on the top of the like you know the leadership hierarchy. So you know they can have a good track record for themselves personally. But that's why you know they a lot of the companies and not just in our game and industry and entertainment and all that, but in general and capitalistic. You know, we're we're living capital. We're living in a capitalistic world, unfortunately. And that's the case most most of the time, ninety percent of the time. But if you think about it, they're looking for short term profit, and that technically mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. But if you have someone on the top who's who knows that if you provide all this value to your workers, you know, with all these benefits, it's going yeah. to be a much more long term profit, and you know, much more productive. You know, team. You're gonna you're gonna end up with a much more productive company in the end. But they're not going to be there when in the long term when they're not going to be the boss anymore when they're, it's going to be productive. So most people, they just quickly check their track trackers and their books, you know, to see, oh, how can we, you know, just optimize everything to get the most amount of, you know, work done and most amount mm-hmm. of profit done? Where can we ship the game? Oh, we don't care. It's buggy. We're going to fix it the next patch. No, mm-hmm. everyone crunch time. Let's go. And yeah, crunch yeah. is like a very common thing in the game industry, but I hope it changes a lot. I hope yeah the next generation of people who come by, I hope they try to actually leave a good mark, you know, Mm -hmm. because in the end, you know, if you have like a team of dedicated, passionate people who are well taken care of, you're going to see amazing results. That's my
1: opinion. 100%, 100%. And I think a lot of companies are getting to the conclusion that people are not just dispensable assets that you can just move around and then you remove one and you put another one, like... I think companies, for instance, like respond, they're, seeing, they're starting to see people as the creators of the product, you know, and like the value of personal creativity that adds on to that and how much it does to keep the team healthy mentally as well and not adding all these crime time because people is going to go, people is going to get angry, they're not going to ever come back the project is going to start going down. There's like a cascade of things that happen when you don't take care of people, when you don't think, when when you don't see them as people. You know, that's the that's the biggest thing. You know, unfortunately, it doesn't happen in all the companies. You know, like this is the best company I've been to. Previously, I was in a very good company as well called BlackBerry Interactive in Canada, and um, they were amazing as well. They tried their best to 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 take care of you, but. I've been in places where they don't give a flying fuck, sorry about it, you know, but um, but that's that's what happened, you ended up leaving, you ended up angry and be like, I don't care about this, you know, and, and those companies, they, they try not, they, they ended up kind of going down because they don't really take care of people, you know, And and I'm happy to see that at least in the scale of some companies, they are starting to realize, you know, it's like, you have to you have people there it's not just assets <laughs> you know um yeah but unfortunately this happened this happen more just on the higher level companies you know um like companies like Respawn or like um, other big companies you know that um, as well they are they are in a magnifying glass as well like if if uh, Look at what happened with Blizzard, right, as well, of like suddenly all these files and these complaints and everybody was like, what what is Blizzard doing, you know, Um, because they are the ones leading the industry. So if they don't set up an example of how things could be, nobody is good, you know, so yeah.
0: I don't know how much hot water we're going to get into if we start crit- criticizing those big companies. So yeah, let's, yeah. let's let's we can, we can we can yeah let's talk about that you know after a call if you want. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm not, yeah. not criticizing but I'm saying I know like, I
0: know, you know you're actually yeah. s- you're absolutely right with what you're saying but actually the reason I say that because I'm not going to mention the name of the artist but I actually had a guest like a couple of months ago which uh-huh. they were um, yeah they're working in blizzard and uh, let's just say we talked for an hour and a half like candidly and freely about everything like this we're doing yeah. right now and yeah. then uh, they later on realized oh actually blizzard is super focused on podcasts and media appearances of their yeah. members and artists yeah. so we com- i completely deleted that episode and we oh, did another God. new episode of two 20 yeah. 30 minutes of formal dry like conversation and yeah. we, were, we were both <laughs> chuckling and laughing because we knew we were kind of faking <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> but, oh, bless. Yeah. 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 No, totally. Like what I meant to say by that is like the, these companies are in a magnifying glass. So whenever some bad thing happens inside a company, it's put everywhere, right? So they are the ones setting up the example and that's a reality, you know. We can't deny that. It's not saying anything bad about companies and probably sure they've learned from from those things, you know, which like people, you as a person can make a mistake. But as long as you learn about what has happened and how to evolve and grow from that, that's good, you know. Um, so we should see companies in the light of like they are it's there's an opportunity they have as well every time they've made a mistake to to grow and get out of those old patterns, you know, because they exist in those companies, but they also exist in society, you know? So that's why for me, I see all that stuff sort of as opportunities that we have of saying like, okay, that was that was okay back in the day, but it's not okay anymore. So we have to make amends and we have to move out of uh, certain old patterns, you know? So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And all right, let let me actually ask you now a really interesting question, which is Mm -hmm. what area beside the area you're working on right now, which is, of course, in the fields of art and design and creativity and all that good stuff. But Mm -hmm. aside from that, is there any other thing you want to learn in the future? Or is there not just learning stuff, but just any other ambitions or goals you have in life that you want to pursue that is non-arts related? Mm -hmm. Important point, non-arts related.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I... I'm very interested in people, as I said, you know, in general. I love uh, psychology. I love one of my best friends. She's uh, she's a therapist that works with autistic kids and families. And I've learned so much from her about self-development, about trauma, about anything related to the mind, things that happen to people. Why does people go from A to B? You know, I think those are the questions that I, I find so interesting, so... If I would ever have to pursue anything else that it wasn't related to art, it would be either related to to therapy, psychology, or trauma, you know, or dogs. <laughs> I would one hundred percent dedicate my life to, to dogs <laughs> if I could. Um, so those are the. But I'm very interested in self-development and and and. Um, Trauma and like um, many patterns that people have of behavior,
0: you know. So yeah. Yeah, dogs are amazing. Honestly, I mean, I live alone because of that. I can't get a, like a pet. But if I yeah. was, if I was, you know, living with a roommate or something, I would hundred percent adopt a dog. Like yes, yeah, like same. Yeah. yeah it's
1: like we, my husband and I, we've been moving around and we just like we. have we are looking forward to the time that is like, now that we are here, we're going to stay here and we're going to have a dog, you know, so yeah, definitely. And always adopt, never buy. That's another, yes. that's another, another good thing to put in or there. Or if you
0: want to buy, maybe maybe someone, let's say someone since they were a kid, loved, wanted to have a dashhound Hound or a Corgi or a Golden Rifter. I think that's fine, but at least, you know, yeah, adopt the dog as well too. Adopt an animal, you know, it's always better, you know? Yes, it's always better. But I understand if people want to still buy, you know, because because I'm going to be honest, I love golden retrievers. Like I yes. don't, I don't I have a soft spot for them. Like, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Depending on where you are, you will be able to find the breed that you like in a, mm-hmm. in a shelter, you know, that's why I'm always like a big advocacy through. I was a, when I was in Spain, I, I was a volunteer on a shelter. And that's why. I can't, I can't see any other option, you know, as much as, as much as you said, you know, I love a golden retriever, I'm sure, I'm sure if you have patience, you are going to be able to find a golden retriever on a shelter, you know, or whatever it is, the other breeds are a bit more difficult, you know, but, um, I don't know. I don't like seeing dogs as, as an object that
0: you can just, you I know, know, I
1: know. know. Um, but, uh, but, um everyone to their own you know it's like uh, we all have different values and as long as you live with those values that's what matters you
0: know all right that's awesome and <laughs> well we've reached the final question and section of the podcast which is called time capsule and of course by the name of it you can kind of guess so you know what it's going to be like um, mm-hmm. but let me explain it like this Imagine you're this is actually how I generally you know explain this segment to guests this with this kind of analogy. Imagine you're in the escape pod of a shuttle in space and your escape pod is about to be ejected into the abyss of space and you're going to get lost forever and you don't know what's going to happen. And there's a countdown above a digital counter like that says you know there you have 2 3 minutes. And in that amount of time you ha- you can't do anything. People are looking at you from behind the window and you're looking at them but you have a voice recorder like something to talk to them and they're going to record that voice and in that moment in your last moments if you could say anything from yourself a human being to another human being with the life experience that you have gained what would you have to say
1: to to, to, it's like i'm talking to everyone yes okay so i think i would say don't be afraid to make mistakes Because from those mistakes, you're going to learn so much, you know. And don't be afraid to be yourself as well. I know it's scary sometimes to be yourself and to be open to judgment, you know. But um, that's the only way. That's the only way that you're going to be free, you know. So, yeah. And be kind. Be kind to each other, you know. Be kind. I
0: think I would say that, I don't know. <laughs> All right, that's <laughs> awesome. Actually, no, the reason I was kind of hesitating because I was also fast typing you know, your answers because okay. I, don't, I don't know if you see the Instagram page of you know, uh, like the Korea podcast, but the, the third post I have after we guess is their answer to this question.
1: Yeah. And this oh, is
0: kind of like a this is kind of like a fun survey I've been doing like since episode seventy five because since episode seventy or seventy five the the question the last question I used to ask to conclude the whole thing it would just be a recap of their journey mm-hmm. and at some point I'm like hmm this this is like you know there's enough knowledge out there about how to become for example I don't know, a character artist or 3D modeler but I. I I'd love to, you know, learn about the real stuff that comes from someone's heart, you know, about their mm-hmm. life experience because there's more to life than art obviously. And yeah. a lot of times I get that really extremely valuable nuggets of gold out of, you know, the answers to this question that I've been asking for about roughly twenty, like 150 episodes, like no, not 150, 148 episodes by now I've asked this question about roughly about that much. And yeah. And the thing is, you know, I'm aiming to go to this episode 1000. So it's going to be interesting to see how, yeah. And like one of my plans is also to make a compilation of all these quotes and put it in a PDF and just sell it to get some sort of support for the podcast as well. Like there are so many plans for this podcast, but in the end, like, you know, I'm doing this, it's something I'm passionate about. Like I haven't get paid even a single cent out of this podcast and I'll still Mm -hmm. do it if I don't. But it's just one of those things that I want to do, like, in life. Like, I don't care if I become a millionaire. I don't care if I... I don't know what's going to happen to me physically or mentally. But as long as I push through and get to episode 1,000, I can confidently say I did something with my life. And I don't care if the next day a bus runs me over because I did something well. I'm going to die happy, you know?
1: That's beautiful. It's really beautiful that you say that. And you know what? Like, I think when we get older and we get, like... on on our careers in like adult life like it always seems that you have to do everything because you're going to get money out of it you know and like sometimes sometimes we just need a bit of passion you know a passion project that you have on the side that you can go back to that is for you and for your own accomplishment you know and I think that it's it's beautiful that you are doing this you know And and you feel that that's your way of being accomplished in some way you know and and I really admire that, you know, and it's, it's, something, that, it's something that you should write as well for, for other people, you know, in this time capsule, because I think it's a very good lesson, you know, of like, don't, don't do everything because of money. You know, there's plenty of passion projects that are going to be there. Um, that is, they're going to fulfill you, you know, and, and that money cannot pay that. You know what I'm saying? So amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, I mean, I'm kind of fortunate enough to, is it, it might sound weird, but I'm kind of fortunate enough to been always kind of alone most of my life. Mm-hmm. And that's that loneliness led me to a lot of, you know, self-reflection and, and, you know, getting to know myself better, you know. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of things... Are temporary in this life like you know all right let's say I make which is which is of course amazing don't get me wrong if I make like you know 200k a year you know something like that that's mm-hmm. amazing but let's say all right then I then I make a family and I get a job then I get retired then I guess I die so the only thing I improved was the quality of my physical life and I didn't do anything that fulfills me you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and but like the podcast is one of the swings you know yeah. But like even right now, like, you know, I guess 219, like actually after you two hours later, I have another podcast with someone else in Canada. Like yeah. let's say, you know, 220 pieces are is not a low amount, I guess,
1: <laughs> but,
0: but but it's not a, like a really fancy or sexy number, but 1,000 is really like awesome, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. If, I, if I could get there and it's gonna take a long couple, of, long couple of years, I guess, because it's, I've started this like, you know, the March 14th of 2020.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and yeah it's now april 15 2023 <laughs> so about three years and a month i guess
1: no it's amazing here. it's impressive it really is impressive you Yeah. Know. thanks
0: so much but uh i really you know but throughout all this but i'm still grateful though yeah sure i didn't make a lot of money but i'm gonna be honest like a lot of good things happen out of this podcast a lot of me- people i met a lot of friends i made mm-hmm. and yeah like as just an anecdote you know a side note for this now we're kind of you know taking again the end of the podcast and, and just in the time capsule. I suggest everyone if, like, don't look at the price of things you want in life, just pick something you like and go crazy with it. And yeah. the point isn't the, the goal you get, it's the journey you're gonna take and the things you're going to learn. Like, that sounds so cliche and that sounds like the shonen anime protagonist type of speech, I know, <laughs> but it's true, it's true. Like pick something that you're gonna have a fun journey about, that's actually a good thing to say.
1: Yes you know? yes I I agree I agree with you um I think a lot of people could relate like when when I was like very young I honestly didn't know if I was going to make any money out of this in fact like it, it took me a lot time to actually make a good living you know out of this but at at any point I was like I'm going to give up or this is not for me you know at the end of the day it's like You have to find which one is your passion, you know, and and go for it. And you're going to find, by finding your passion, you're going to find that there are many other things that you were passionate about that you didn't know, you know. So it's more the journey. It's more this whole journey of like, you know, uh what are you passionate about, you know, and and, and go for it. And I, I know what you say that it like it's it's exactly like that. It sounds like a like a Disney, <laughs> like a Disney speech, right? Um but I think we've lived in a world that we focus so much into whatever it is that you do, it has to give you money. I've made so many people that they've dropped their careers because they follow what their parents were telling them to do. Uh, um, technical, technical careers, architectural careers, many other things of people that they were like, I just, I went there because, you know, (laughs) that's what they told me to do. And then that's why you see a lot of people that are extremely sad, that they don't, they're not happy because they have to spend so much time doing something they don't like, you know, and they're stuck because that's the stuff that gives them money. So it's like, it's this thing, you know, it's this, this, this vicious cycle you know, that doesn't really help uh, them and doesn't help anyone around, around them, I think. Um, but yeah, as you said, no matter what it is that you want to do, do it 100%. Do it 2,000%, you know, and you will find things along the way. And don't be scared of failure, you know, because uh, I've had many failures through my career as many, many other people, you know, and this is the way you learn, you know, you fall, you stand up, you fall, you stand up again, you know, and it's, uh, that's the way of life, though, you know,
0: so yeah. All right. <laughs> well, it's been a real pleasure. I enjoyed the conversation a lot, hey. and I'm sure anyone who, who tuned in and listened, they enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much, by the way, uh-huh. for your time and coming by for this episode of episode 219. And awesome. uh, where can people contact you if they had any questions? Is there an Instagram account, TK? Okay?
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I try to reply anyone in general that re- that writes to me on Instagram. So, so yeah, if, if anybody has any questions, you know, feel free to reach. Uh, and if it's like a long question, I will give you my email so I can reply to you better, <laughs> as I gave to many students as well. So, yeah, yeah thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Really my an, pleasure. An awesome conversation for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And... Yeah. Thank you to anyone who also who tuned in and listened to this episode. As always, if there's any comments or suggestions or critiques or anything down below, you can send them, You can write them down in the comment section down below or you can just send them to me on the Instagram page of The Courier Podcast. And I always check everything out. So yeah, do write, do write to me if there's anything that you have in mind. And with that being said, take care, everyone. Stay safe until next episode, which is going to be recorded in two hours. Bye.
1: Adios.